0: Good evening. Good to see every one of you out tonight. Uh, I hope you've been anticipating what the Lord might do. Uh, I've enjoyed the week. I've enjoyed the presence of God. I've enjoyed my host, Ben and Amy, and their children. And being in their home this week, it's been a very blessed week. But I didn't come here to be seen. I didn't come here because I thought I could do some great, ostentatious thing that you guys would marvel at. That is not the work of faith, and I want to speak about that a little bit tonight. A lot of times we get very anxious about the work of God. We think that we know what it is. We think we know what faith looks like. Um, The Lord reminds us many times through Scripture what it is. A lot of times we can lay our hands to something and say, I've done well, and I'm doing all I can do, and sometimes we do far more than God asks us for. We help him a little bit too much. Anybody ever been guilty of that? And it reminds us of some things. His voice speaks to us in those hours and reminds us what true spiritual work of God looks like in our life, in our home, in our church, in our community, and in our country. I want to read a little bit from the 19th chapter of Kings tonight. I don't think I'll get through the whole chapter. There's a lot of thoughts in my heart, and I ask for your prayers. I'm looking for something to be accomplished that won't happen by my words, but by the Spirit of God. We often think that we know what a spiritual person looks like. And we think sometimes that we are spiritual people. And we use that term a lot. Sometimes spiritual to us means emotional, passionate, compassionate, serious, interested, diligent, hardworking. It just goes on and on and on. And we're thinking, Lord, I'm doing all that I know to do. And we'll get back to that a little bit later. Paul had some very interesting things to enlighten us on that. But I want us to take the account here of, of some things that happen with Elijah and his life and, and what it looked like. And we're going to do just a little recount in the 18th chapter. Um, Elijah had bid that the uh, prophets of Baal come and that they build an altar, that they take two... Um, great cows, if you want to call them that. It's a simple word for today. And they dressed them and they put them up on an altar. All the provision was made there, the wood, the fire, the fuel. But then he asked them to go a step further and, and build a trench around all of that. And he said, I'm going to have a contest between your God, Baal, and Jehovah. And he said, I want you to uh, do everything that you can do to petition your God that he would consume this altar and he would burn it up. And when you get done doing that, and he said, based on what we see, that I'm going to call on Jehovah and I'm going to ask my God. Now, I want you to know there were a lot of prophets of Baal. There was only one prophet for Jehovah that day. Sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we feel like in our walk of faith that we are all alone. And I don't want to call it pride, but it is ignorance. It is much of the time, even in our greatest point of faithfulness. And the marvelous thing about Elijah being bid by God to do and believing in this, he believed in the supernatural work of God. Now, when we talk about that type of miracle of faith, that kind of faith, it runs headlong against common sense. When you read this account, people go, whoa, I don't know if that really happened, right? I don't know if I can really believe this. But it stood. It has stood and has been testified, has been read for for the centuries. It is the word of God. How many things in your life would you be accountable to if God asked you to do the seemingly insane thing in your life? Much of the time, that's what faith looks like. Faith, obedience versus what seems like the insane or irrational hit, and they clash on both ends. We say, well, that's not rational. And then on the other side, we say, well, that's not faith. And we have all these questions we walk through. And it it amazes me that Elijah had enough confidence in God to do this. And a lot of times we're good about going out and some of us and doing the seemingly hard, miraculous things that we trust God in. People go, how do you do that? But folks, faith is a little bit more than that even. The Spirit of God is a little bit more than that. We come into these, I like to call them effort meetings. It's not truly revival until the Lord has revived us. We have an effort. We put some contention in it. You know, I hear people say, well, I'll come to the revival a little later in the week. Maybe it'll be stoked up and no good and some of it will kind of flow around me. So I'm going, I don't really want to be there in the beginning because that might mean I have to work a little bit. You know, we have all kinds of thoughts. But I'm looking for God to do something tonight. I don't have to see it, but I have to be obedient to it. And I want to know that God was pleased and that somewhere in his purpose, and his time, his work has been accomplished. Because it's a lot more than what you and I will ever be able to do. A lot more. And I believe you are people of that type of faith. So as this went on, they gnashed and they danced and they sung and they prayed to Baal. And to no avail. And they did it until they were exhausted and admitted, listen to this, admitted defeat. Folks, that is the work of God. When we let the world run on until they exhaust themselves, because we have faith that when our God gets ready to move, He will move completely to His purpose and work. How much does our faith look like that? God, do what you're going to do with them. Let them just run their course. Let them wear themselves out. Let them exhaust every possibility of their unbelief and belief of things that are not real and not true. That's hard for us to pray for people we love, isn't it? That's hard for us to pray for our places where we work, uh, for our country. And, you know, sometimes destruction must come before the answer. Before God speaks and moves. Well, it became Elijah's turn, and he went, and he called upon his God, and the fires from heaven, and the winds, and all of it came, and it literally consumed everything on that altar, complete to ashes. There was nothing, but before they did that, something remarkable happened, and a lot of us missed this. He asked them to take barrels of water, and they doused it three times, so wet, there was no fuel to burn. Folks, when God does something, it is proven to be of his hand and not natural. It is supernatural. Those supernatural things run right against the grain of this world and who they say our God is. There is really no faith unless we believe in the supernatural work of God. I've had people that I've given my experience to. I shared most of it with. The other night, and they would say, well, did you just have more confidence? Did something trigger in your brain? What happened? And these are people of faith sometimes. And I said, all I can tell you is God moved, and I changed. The same way when he saved me. I was a natural man, and I could only perceive natural things. But thanks be to God, he gave me a mind that was now enlightened spiritually. It is not spiritual in itself because I don't possess that. I don't. But now I have the perception, a mind to see the Spirit of God and believe and trust of what He can do because of what He's done for me. And even though God does that for us, much of the time we forget. And He has to remind us. He has to remind us. So let's turn to the 19th chapter. You want to read along with me? And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. By the way, Jezebel was the queen of this land, and he, she was the commander of all these prophets of Baal. And uh, she got word of what Elijah had accomplished, her, his God had accomplished, and so she sought his life. And folks, a lot of times when we have our greatest faith in God, the world comes to assault us. And we shouldn't feel assaulted, but we do because we're just natural men. We're natural people. Goes on. Then Jezebel sent a message unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life, is the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she said, you're going to be dead, just like all my prophets of Baal. If not, I'll be dead. It's you or me, one or the other. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals of, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. I'm going to stop there a minute. A lot of times we become fearful as Elijah did here. And the point is, is that we're not really being spiritual, but he had come to the place that he thought he really was the only prophet. And even though these others had recounted their God Baal and said, truly your God is the true God, he did not see a spiritual people in Israel. Folks, have you ever felt that way? We have a dearth in this land. We have a dearth in our society. We know that the Lord lives and He is real, but the reflection around us is very pale of Him. I don't think it's ever been as perfect as some people want to think it has been in America, but boy, have we been blessed. And boy, has God done mighty things. And have we not been the beneficiary of many of these things, many of us? And are we not blessed, truly blessed? And yet in all this, Elijah had said, You know, Lord, I would just rather lay down and die now and be done. I have done all that I can do and all I want to do. Folks, this is what is fearful to me, that have seen the greatness of God. When we come to a point of discouragement, that we feel like we have done all. And we expect to see more. And all that he had seen of God, he thought it wasn't enough. Folks, this is a crucial point for us. We want to say we're spiritual people. We want to say that we have endured enough. We've gone to say that we've seen enough. And God, just let me go on home. Folks, there's not a place in one of our lives that we have the right to say that to our God. But we do. We do. And so he comes and he sends the angel and he awakens him and he nourishes him and he prepares him for the next leg of his journey. Maybe you've been this place in your life. I have. I'm going to say you won't hardly find a minister who has at some time got so discouraged that he just went home, laid his Bible up and said, I'm done because we get tired, we get weary. We want to see God move. We want to see certain things happen. And many of us in the church do that. And you know, I'm not too hard on people when they struggle and and, and they're having difficulty because I know realize a lot of times people have really felt like they've given their all and yet somehow or another God has not been there to accomplish the things they desired and want to see. There's a battle going on in us between our natural man and the spiritual man that God wants us to be. And Elijah, as great as he was, he was no different than you and I. All the fathers of faith and the women that we know, they were discouraged. They were, uh, went back and came back to the Lord. And none of them ever thought that they would be people called the fathers of faith. That example They went through all that we do over and over. Brother Ben, I've heard him make this statement very many times since I've been here already, and I agree with it 100%. God may operate in the physical, but he's not physical. He is spiritual. We often want to look and see what we think is supposed to happen. We'll even say, God, if this is true and if it's you, do this. And then I'll believe you. And we have a lot of examples of that in Scripture. And boy, when you do that to God, you've put him to the test. And he says, test me, see if I'm, not, if I'm not true, if I'm not good. But folks, it requires something of us too. And he puts us through that test so that we can accomplish that great work of faith in him. I would say to you today, if you doubt God and the supernatural God that I'm reading about here, he's not afraid for you to ask for him to prove himself to you. Matter of fact, I think that's one of the tests. If you've been seeking him, and yet he has not stirred your heart and made you know he's real, ask him to prove himself to you. Make it down to that crucial point that you know he needs to be displayed to you in a way that you know he is real and that you need him. Folks, we that are the children of God, if we become this distraught, we need to pray that God will show himself to us again and remind us. Remind me again, dear Lord. Remind me. Elijah was a wonderful servant of the Lord, but he had weakness like all of us. You know, there are people that you'll count on and and you'll just think those are my bedrocks, those are my helpers, my, my strong towers in my life. But folks, if they're men and women, they will fail you at some point. They will grow weak. But God is steadfast. Hold on. Hold on to Him. We sing the song, hold to God's unchanging hand. We think a lot about that being our eternal hope. But folks, it's every day of our life every moment so we see god preparing uh, elijah here and and it says in and he came thither ninth verse unto a cave and lodged there and behold the word of the lord came to him and he said unto him what doest thou here elijah so again he's asking him what is your purpose what is your work what have i called you to do Why have I tarried you to this point and given you strength and nourished you to come to this point? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. So God did all that to bring him to fruition of where he was naturally, not spiritually. A lot of times we think we're thinking on behalf of God and all we're doing is thinking on our own behalf. God, I needed this to happen. God, I needed to see this. I want this to happen. If you're really real, you're going to accomplish this. I've got a little church that the Lord led me to and it's small and it used to be quite large and it's down to a small group. And The Lord sent me to a few churches like that and the Lord has blessed them. It does not always, though, in the way that we would like to. Some of my older members who have been very faithful for many years, and they're wonderful people. Oh, I want to see what I saw when my children grew up in this church. I want to see the house full again. I want to see children being saved and raised in this church and and the, and the, and the, the house overflowing. And she has a good desire. But what was yesterday isn't always what God's trying to do today. We don't know what the future looks like. We don't know what the path is of the spiritual work of God in our life or your church or from that part, anything. We know he has a perfect will. And for his perfect will to accomplish, we must step in line, pursuing something that is greater than our natural man. So as he says, I, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. I'm going to translate that a little different for you. Anxious. How many of us get anxious for God? Is that faith? It's not. He's got a plan. He sees our future. He knows everything that is going to happen. Period. I can't tell you what the future for Taylor's Chapel is going to look like. But I can tell you your future in Christ, in your Heavenly Father, by faith in Him, will outshine anything this world or your mind will ever give you. Do you believe that? I believe y'all do. I do. We have many desires for those that we love, for those that are lost. And many of them are good people, good kids. Good kids. But they need something more than us just being good to them. We need to love them, yes. They need something more than us just being faithful to walk through the back door. They need the Almighty God working and operating and us having confidence that whatever supernatural thing He leads us to do and believe and act upon through thick or thin, we're there with you. We're there with you, Lord. We'll go all the way. We'll go all the way with you because we know you have a plan for us, a future for us. He's talking about his corporate body, his remnant, his people. And folks, we get signified, and and I love the local church, that great expression of his love for his people and his body in Christ. But we get sanctioned and, and closed off, and we think, well, God only operates with our little group, but folks, he's a big God operating on a big schedule, on a big level and we just get to be a part of it in one little part of the world, one little person at a time, one moment, one hour, one second, one consciousness before him. I'm kind of excited what my supernatural God might do in these coming days. I hope when I leave here and the world is still standing that I'll hear good reports coming from this country, not because Steve Thompson here or Ben or any of you, but because God came and did the miracles that we hope for. I pray that all your children are saved. I pray that they stand and aren't ashamed to seek him. I pray that they cry out to God, whether it be in the middle of the night or in a service or in the early morning or in the bathroom or wherever it is, knowing they need an almighty God who is supernatural to do what they cannot do for themselves and knowing you cannot do it for them either. You know, when I was very young, having two Baptist grandfathers and two very faithful grandmothers, I thought I was going to be okay. Everything was going to work out all right with me, but it came down to the same measure that they found. When they sought the Lord, it was between me and God, and there was no one else there between me and Him. It was between us. I'm thankful my God was faithful, and I'm thankful He was patient with me, and I'm thankful He entered my heart did nothing to deserve it. I can't ever thank him enough for picking up this eight-year-old boy and changing his life. But before any of the physical healings came on my life, and if you know them, and if you were there, you knew they were supernatural. But the real supernatural work he did when he operated in my heart and changed me and made me his child. And I knew it. I knew I was the grandchild of William and Annie Thompson. I knew I was the grandchild of Mike and Christine Froge. I knew that I had mothers and father named uh, Bud and Marilyn. But that day, I became a child of God. That was the most supernatural thing that ever happened to this boy. That was enough to carry me on, regardless of whatever he might have done for me in my life, because of the hope and peace that I had with him. I didn't get to tell you the other night uh, I was in reading class. I couldn't read. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I could hear it, and I could see the letters and the consonants and the vowels, and it started making sense to me. And and within just a few weeks, I had went from the lowest reading class, really not able to read because of my dyslexia, to the middle reading class. My teacher stood and said, again, what has happened to Steve Thompson? This is remarkable. We would send him on to the highest class in the third grade, but it would confuse the other children. That's what they told me. That summer, I loved to read. (laughs) My parents always tried to raise balanced kids. You know, you're not getting enough uh, athleticism. You're not playing enough. You're not riding your bike because I just wanted to sit and read. You know what a joy it is when God heals you? and gives you something you never dreamed that you could have. Well, that's who he is. And he can give you something so beyond just the physical gifts that he can give us, but that spiritual knowledge of him. As I sit there and I read and I rejoiced in God because I knew who had made it possible for me to do those things. He opened in my heart that nothing was impossible that he called me to in my life. I've not believed that many times. There's many times I wanted to quit. Life got too hard. As hard as life was for me a lot of times when I was lost and with all my impediments, folks, I found that life became harder trying to serve God much of the days of my life as a young man. I wasn't perfect, but I knew my Heavenly Father. I knew He spoke to me. I would lay in bed at night and, and I would rehearse my day. I had rehearsed where I had failed, and and it brought this back to me, Brother Ben, as you did the exercise with us today. I wanted to be clean before the Lord before I fell asleep at night. I would go with those who had tried to hurt me and be cruel to me, and and I would pray for them, and I asked God to help me forgive them. I slept well. I want you to know I've slept well most of my life because I've learned that practice. I admonish you to do the same. It reinlutes us in our passion for God and who he is. My sweetest time with the Lord, yes, many of them have been in the service of the Lord in worship in his church, but my best times in the Lord have been when it's just me and him alone. In my bed at night, as a young minister, I would uh, go out on campus after I announced my calling to preach and God had led me to that and I was trying to uh, decipher what my life was going to be and what he was leading me to do. And I had one thing I looked forward to today. After I got through my first round of morning classes, I would run back to my apartment. I would grab my Bible and me and the Lord would spend time in his word. And I rejoiced in him as it became so rich and so sweet. As I did those things that I knew that he desired of me to do, he began to speak to me more and more. In my life. And he began to tell me, Steve, I want you to quit this. I want you to do this. Some of them seemed impossible. I've shared some of it with Brother Ben. And God opened everything that he promised me. He did. He can do that for you. I want you to know that he's not just an addendum that you add on. To your life because you've achieved everything else. But He is everything. He is everything. And I hope that you understand that, every one of us. So, as God continued to speak to Elijah here, and it says, <clears throat> haven't got very far in this yet. <laughs> And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Folks, a lot of times we have a lot of pity parties before the Lord because we think things just got too hard. I'm the only one in my relationship that seems to be desiring the Lord. My wife or my husband isn't here with me. Or if they're there in body, they're not there in spirit. My family all seem to have forsaken the Lord or have no interest or don't understand what God has done in my life. The place I work, they're all very angry and against God and sinful. And Lord, I feel so unclean when I walk away from my workplace or my school. And we have all these things that we bring before the Lord and and we feel like we're justified for him because we go through these things. So Elijah really did think there was no defense for him as the single in his mind prophet of God. And the 12th verse is one many of you know. It's been a lot of movies. It's a beautiful verse and I don't want you to ever let it be belittled but I want it to be magnified in your heart. The 12th verse reads, And after the earthquake, excuse me, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. What is God demonstrating? He's demonstrating his incredible power. He's showing you that, yes, he is created, he can destroy and do all things. It goes on to say, uh, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Folks, we want to see the literal, physical signs of our Creator. That's not what He wants us to be looking for. We put tests before Him, say, Lord, if you're really there, if you're really uh, observing me, you'll do this or you'll do that. It's different than saying, Lord, I know you see and you hear, and I have confidence that you are working all these things to my good and for those that I love and those that I pray for. 12 verse, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Folks, how many storms? How many earthquakes and how many fires that we've seen God move upon and we're looking for him in all the wrong places. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Folks, he's not found in the big and great actions of our flesh or expectations. That is the earthly man operating and trying to commune with an almighty, spiritual, holy, righteous God. And that is not the way you relate to God. He is merciful to us. He is compassionate. But that is not the picture of faith that he calls us to. It's a spiritual work. We have to desire after it. We have to humble ourselves before God, and we have to beseech Him. We have to seek Him. We have to seek Him. We ask lost sinners to seek the Lord until such time that He would deal with them. But folks, we need to seek the Lord that He would deal with us and speak to us in that still small voice. That still small voice steadies us, gives us purpose, gives us courage, gives us strength and becomes the embodiment of faith in an almighty God who stills the heart of his child. As we read the other night, be still and know that I am God. He can do that many ways, but either way it is, he has spoken it into existence for us that we understand it and that we know it. And again, it says, and so it was when Elijah had heard it Listen to that, heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? So God asked him the same question again after he had displayed and showed him these things. How many times do we petition God and he speaks to us and he asks us the question again? And do we get it right Do we act upon the thing he's told us to? He says, get back in my house. Start repenting and worshiping and following after me. Bring your children to church. Be an example to your grandchildren. Uh, Be an example to your co-workers. Uh, Spend your time in prayer and and open your Bible and learn of me. And we go, well, not right now. I'll work on that a little later. Folks, we ignore the voice of God many times and we say that we want to be a spiritual people who have faith and we ignore the very God who's speaking to us in the way that he does to a spiritually minded person. We can put on a lot of effort but it becomes nothing more and looks no different to God than those prophets of Baal making all their bodily exercise to no avail. The spiritual work is being obedient to the sovereign and powerful and supernatural God, Jehovah. The moment you say God doesn't operate that way, and there's some things he doesn't do, we know that scripture, but when you define who he is, you have quit having faith. He can move and work in your life and everyone around you in far more ways than you can ever think. He has a million ways of doing anything. You and I only have a few. Who of us have a need before the Lord tonight? Which of us truly have a desire and a prayer request that we're beseeching the Lord for? What does our faith really look like in that? Are we waiting to hear from God? Or are we wanting to figure something out? And if he talks to us, will we be obedient to it? Will we be desirous in that thing that it may change our whole life and the whole action and course of it? Because God said so. Folks, that's all that matters, that God said so. That's our marching order. That's our life Is his people. We are his, his followers, his servant, obedient unto him and none other. So we say we are. And so he desires of us. But look at how he answered 14, verse 10, he said, I have been very jealous, very anxious for the Lord God of hosts. We take on his business of an almighty God. Let me step in and do a little worrying for you, Lord. Let me figure it out. Oh, he already knows. He knows so much more than we do, right? Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life and take it away. Poor Elijah. Poor Elijah. He was mighty, he was powerful. Folks, at our very best, we are nothing in comparison to the Almighty God. Nothing. You say, I have forsaken all for you, Lord. Really? Have any of us come to the measure of our Heavenly Father and His great gift and His suffering and the suffering of His Son for us? I'm going to tell you, I don't think there was ever a more painful expression in all the existence of the world since humanity has began when God had to look down upon His Son bearing our sin and the worth had to cover the Son so He was not seen and He was in darkness, as Scripture prophesied. God couldn't even look upon the sin that was displayed for our sake upon his son that he bore. But I want you to know this, as painful as that was for our Heavenly Father, oh, how he loved what his son had done. Because it was the ultimate display of the character of God and his love for us. Isn't that amazing? Do we ever get close to that? No, not really. But when we can suffer a little bit for the cause of Christ, to the purpose and glory of God, to His great plan, what a great honor it is for you and I. And the Lord God said unto him, Go, return thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou camest, comest, anoint Hazel to be king. Over Syria. And Jehu the son of Nim, she shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat, of, excuse me, I don't know if I can pronounce it, Abel me, Holah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel, Hazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. You know what God just told him? my plan, how I'm going to restore Israel to righteousness. See, we can't see what he's already planned, what he's going to do. It may look like tragedy to us in the beginning, but folks, if it means the honor and glory of God and the salvation of souls, it is worth everything we endure. What are we willing to endure to the glory of the Lord when it takes away seemingly everything we love? What are you willing to forsake? You know, truly, when we get to the place where we're repentant for Almighty God, our prayer is, God, take it all and let it be you alone. Let it be you alone between this problem and this issue that I have and we have. What are we willing to forsake and leave behind? Will we lose everything that's familiar and that we love and serve only the God and hear only his voice and follow after him? was not that the picture Abraham gave us, the father of faith. I often think about how little maybe he really understood, but yet how he knew the voice of God and he followed him. I don't know that Abraham was spoken to by the voice of God very much or very often. I don't know that it was daily or moment by moment, or if it just came in long periods of time. Sometimes God doesn't always operate on the human scale that we want him to. But folks, if his spirit truly abides in us, we know it. And he gives us the strength to follow it. He enables us to do the work he sent us to. So one king slayed the ones that remained that the other king didn't get. And then Elisha, this prophet, he hadn't even anointed yet, was going to take care of the rest. And listen to this. This was a prophet that was just saying, God, just take me. Be done with me. But he had a little bit more work to to do because God had not told Elisha yet, I'm going to place another prophet behind you. And he will follow after you. And then your days can be done. Folks, some of us have got a few more days. A few more days. I know life isn't always the golden years they tell us to as we get older. Right, brother? But there is joy in serving the Lord. And whatever it costs us, because as we get older, we suffer loss more and more. Sister Amy lost a dear loved one this morning. Life just continues with that journey. Seems like all I do anymore is go to funerals with my family on both sides and friends. And many of you know what I'm talking about. But boy, I have a hope and a joy and a yearning. I didn't always understand all those songs about heaven when I was young, but now I rejoice in them because they're talking about my home and where I'm going in a few days. And it may be tomorrow if he returns, tonight, or in a blink of an eye. It may be very soon. It may be very soon. And as we read here, it spoke about Elisha placing that mantle over his face when he was in the face of the cave. And that was a preposition to what comes later in 2 Kings and some other places. You know, Elisha was looking for that second blessing of the grace of Elijah. And that mantle fell to him. Folks, oh, how we need to be prepared, being the servant of God, the example and finishing the work he's given to us. So one day those gifts God has given to us and his grace And the work that he has given to us, we can pass on to those behind us of his goodness and his grace. God bless you tonight. I want to say this, and I don't think Brother Ben's going to disagree with anything I say or any of you. But if God is speaking to you, don't be ashamed of him. If you need to pray at your seat... Or go outside this building or into a bathroom or a Sunday school room or a car. Seek him when he calls you, when you hear his voice drawing you, seek him. We get very ceremonious. We we have things, but, you know, the Lord wanted to test me a little bit, I guess, when I was lost because I was scared to death to stand and be seen in front of people. But my need for him became so great, I didn't care if the whole church house saw me. I ran down to an altar branch in the front of the church and I cried out to God. I'm not saying you need to do that. But whatever you need to do, you do that. You do that. And when you trust this almighty, spiritual, wonderful God, he will meet you there. And he will deal with you. And he will work you. And if, when you come to the place where you truly trust him by his saving grace, you will know him. And you will know the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even Elijah we read tonight. These folks here that give these testimonies of how God saved them, they met the God of Elijah here. The same one who (coughs) consumed the altars. Folks, he's mighty for you in your life. Come seek him tonight, would you, Brother Ben?